Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> since you ask, <laughs> um, I picked up Faye this morning. Yeah. Early on a Sunday or Saturday morning to go to free comic book day. Uh-huh. Yeah. And we get there and we, there was nobody in line. Yeah. And usually, so, okay, so... Free Comic Book Day is this event that happens at all participating comic book stores across the entire nation every single year for like, I mean, they've been doing it for years, mm -hmm. like 20, 40 years. I have no idea. But they haven't done it in the last two years because of uh, COVID. So in 2020, it got canceled, even though they had all the event planned already. Uh -huh. So people, I remember that um, the comic book store that we usually go to, they posted on Facebook that. You could come in and get your comic books like whenever. Uh -huh. um, and if you've never been to free comic book day, it's not any free comic you want. It's <laughs> they have like these free editions. Yeah. These editions that are like basically donated and it's the same for every comic book store. So if we went to the one at Muse Comics and then we went to that other comic book store downtown, mm -hmm. it would be the same comics available. And in these comic books, they're free because sometimes they're only half of the comic and then they're like buy the rest buy the rest or they're comics for like newer comics that are coming out that they're like if we give it to them for free maybe they'll continue buying them but where i get where i think they get a lot of their like money back is from all the ads that are in oh, there oh yeah <laughs> they're like magazines <laughs> but the ads aren't like magazines cuz they're not for like makeup and fucking whatever they're like for other comic books or yeah. like Funko Pops or <laughs> like nerd shit. So anyway, um, at our comic book store, and I'm not sure if everyone does this, mm -hmm. uh, but usually the first 100 people, sometimes 200, whatever, the first X amount of people that come in get like that little goodie bag. Mm -hmm. And it's this big bag and there's like posters and buttons and other comic books and just a bunch of merch mm -hmm. and a bunch of ads. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then you go through and then you there's like stacks of all the comic books and they say, okay, you can pick out 10. And so you pick out your 10 and then you can shop if you want to. And then you leave. So we go there <laughs> and we're half an hour early. There's no line though. There's no line. And I mean, it's not warm today. So we're like, maybe people are just sitting in their cars because of COVID too, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, and there's nobody sitting in their car. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, okay, let me see if it starts at a different time. So I pull open the ad <laughs> and I'm like, Faye. It's it says May 7th right here. And she's like, May? <laughs> yeah. At 10 o'clock. And that's funny because it's April. It's April. <laughs> it's fully April. So that happened. <laughs> and I blame it on being pregnant because I swear I could have sworn I told everyone. <laughs> I like canceled other plans to go do this. <laughs> It but. was a fun Saturday drive. Yeah. We had fun. It was fun. And then we put gas. Yeah. We put gas in my car. Now we're doing this. Yeah. What a great day. <laughs> I just can't believe that happened. <laughs> Although I can. And it's just going to get worse. I'm going to get more and more forgetful. 
It's true. Yay. You're going to forget your baby. Yep. I'm going to wake up and just forget I'm pregnant. <laughs> just go start taking shots. <laughs> <laughs> that would be tragic. Uh, well, speaking of the baby, let's do this before I forget. Yeah. So the week that this episode comes out, baby will be 27 weeks and it will be about the size of the hamburger phone from Juno. Oh, hamburger baby. It'll be about two pounds. Oh, that's crazy. I think um, baby is 13 ounces right now as we Aww. record this. Little baby. Probably a little more because I was like last week. Yeah, we had. I just had my anatomy scan last week. And we found out that I'm having a girl. Yay! <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm excited too. That's what I wanted. I I wanted either way. You just know? a healthy baby. Yeah, I think either one. I know. I think I might get along with a boy better. Uh huh. But I want the longevity of having a girl. Oh, yeah. Because whenever you have a boy, after they, like, grow up, move out of the house, get married, etc. You never see them. You really never see them. You see them, like, once a year, maybe. And that's if you push them. Yeah. Because <laughs> I know my husband and his brother, they barely talk to their parents. It's crazy. And they'll go see him maybe once or twice a year. And, like, their parents have to reach out to them. <laughs> And it's like, for me and a lot of the women I know in my life, like, we're all super close to our families. Yeah. <laughs> like, I live four miles from my parents <laughs> by choice. And um, I don't think that's that uncommon. Yeah. So anyway, so I have a girl for the rest of my life. Aww. Unless she hates me. Then maybe, There's like a... <laughs> <laughs> maybe she won't live that close. <laughs> She'll move to her. Her, I don't know. Her partner's. Her partner's house. Yeah. I mean, it's possible she could marry a woman That's and that true. woman would be closer to her family. So then your family would have to be close to her family. <sighs> it's One very, big family. It's very complicated to think about <laughs> 20 years from now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll be dead. No. You'll be cool Aunt Faye. <laughs> we'll be so old, though. We will be. We'll be... 20 years from now, we'll be almost 50. <laughs> That's gross. <laughs> All right. Well, on that topic, um, happy Fearsome Fridays, y'all. We are on Holy Gospel Girls. I'm Casey. I'm Faye. And um, happy June. I think we've already done an episode in June. Yes. Happy continuation of June. It'll be Ju June 10th. June 10th. Woohoo. Woohoo. Uh, I think the big things happening in June for me are baby shower. There's a couple birthdays in June. There's a couple birthdays in May too. Um, camping sometime. I think Fun. the first and only time I'm probably going to go camping this year. So for a long time, maybe. Well, I'll probably be able to you bring a baby camping. Yeah, I mean. We go glamping, let's be honest. <laughs> like we have a like we we do everything except for hook up to like a place. It's uh -oh. still wilderness camping, uh -huh. but it is glamping. <laughs> like we have heat, electricity, water, everything. I couldn't imagine bringing a baby camping. But I can't imagine baby doing anything. Yeah. Well, whenever they're like 0 through 6 months, they're just kind of paperweights. Yeah. Like, they don't do a whole lot. 
and then it's not until they start crawling and then eventually start walking that they like actually start getting into mischief jump into the fire <laughs> but even then they're still relatively easy to like wrangle because they're miniature you know get those handcuff things with like a bungee cord <laughs> Those are so weird. <laughs> Those are weird. <laughs> but as somebody who's taking kids to, like, the zoo, I get it. Yeah, makes sense. They just, like, fucking take off. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're fast, even though they got those tiny little stump legs. Aww. They are very speedy. <laughs> All right, well, do you have any hot goss? Hmm. Other than me ruining your morning? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Uh, nothing's going on we're just looking forward to free comic book yeah day. <laughs> we get another day of excitement <laughs> at least i know this shirt still fits me it's a cute shirt i'll be wearing it again next week <laughs> <laughs> it's very stretchy i'll probably be able to wear this for a while it's very cute yeah it does like get see-through-ish whenever you stretch it out so wear a shirt underneath it smart yep anyway um cool well what are you drinking nothing Oh, I'm drinking water because it's 10.43 a.m. <laughs> I'm drinking tequila. A tequila sunrise. Yeah. Aww. For the sunrise. Aww. Could have had mimosas. Could I mean, have. Well. Not easily. We could have gotten stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this week I'm going to tell you about Charles Raymond Starkweather. What a name. Yeah, it is. It is like a impressive name, actually. But he was also born in 1938. So like, I think that's pretty. I don't know. It's a good name for the time. I think. It is. All right. Well, we're going to start like I usually do with his early life. Starkweather was born in Lincoln, Nebraska on November 24th, 1938. He was a, the third of seven children of Guy and Helen Starkweather. Guy. Now that, that's an old name. That is. <laughs> what if her name was Lady? Guy and Lady. <laughs> or like, what are those really old names? Like Kitty and like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God. The Starkweathers were a working class family. Star uh, Starkweather's father was a carpenter who was often unemployed due to rheumatoid arthritis in his hands. Aww. Helen worked as a waitress to supplement the family's income. Can you imagine being that long ago that, like, your mom could be a waitress and your dad could sometimes work? And you still are in the homeless shelter? How many kids? Did I say seven? Dang. Uh, yep, seven children. Crazy. <laughs> I don't even think we could afford two. Like, we're... Like, that's the decision we have to make right now. Like, do we want another kid? Can we afford another kid? <laughs> <laughs> Could we really honestly afford one kid? We'll see. <laughs> it's difficult. Yeah, kids are expensive. We live in trying times, too. Yeah, everything is so expensive. You know, my father-in-law, he worked a part-time job while he was in college, and it paid for his college tuition. Really? Mm-hmm. That just makes me angry. I know. <laughs> like, I worked a full-time job, and I could pay for obviously where i lived and like my books yeah <laughs> it's a nightmare out there <laughs> so expensive <laughs> all right starkweather attended saratoga elementary school irving junior high school and lincoln high school 
In contract to his family life, Starkweather later recalled nothing positive of his time at school. He was born with genu varum, a mild birth defect that caused his legs to be misshapen. Um, I think they described it as being like bow-legged. Oh. And was teased by classmates because he had a speech impediment. Oh. As he grew older and stronger, the only subject in which Starkweather excelled at was gym which surprised me (laughs) Uh, where he found an outlet for his rage against those who bullied him. Starkweather then began to bully those who had once picked on him. Oh, slam dunk. (laughs) Eventually he felt rage against anyone he disliked in this period. As a young teenager, Starkweather went from being one of the most well-behaved teenagers in the community to one of the most troubled. His high school friend Bob Von Bush, which is like the coolest name, yeah, a cool name. Uh, would later recall, quote, he could be the kindest person you've ever seen. He'd do anything for you if he liked you. He was a hell of a lot of fun to be around, too. Everything was just one big joke to him. But he had this other side. He would be mean as hell, cruel. If he saw some poor guy on the street who was bigger than he was, better looking or better dressed he tried to take the poor bastard down to his size (laughs) what a guy yeah he's got a chip on his shoulder that's for sure yeah by the time starkweather dropped out of school his parents and family were reportedly afraid of him due to his violent outbursts oh wow all right the next section of his life is all surrounded with his relationship with carol ann fugit fugit and I think you spell it, or I think you say it, Carol. It's C-A-R-I-L. It's either Carol, Carol. or Cyril. That's so weird. <laughs> Cyril. So, in 1956, at 18, Starkweather was introduced to a 13-year-old <gasps> Carol Ann Fugit. No. They met through Carol's sister, Barbara, who was dating Starkweather's friend, Bob Von Bush. All right. Starkweather dropped out of high school in his senior year and took a job at a newspaper warehouse because it was near Fugit's school. So creepy. (laughs) He began to visit her every day after school. But I guess in like the 30s or 40s or whenever this was, maybe 50s? Yeah, okay, still creepy. (laughs) Starkweather taught Fugit how to drive, and one day she crashed the car belonging to Starkweather's father who banished him from the family home starkweather quit that yeah maybe they only had one car (laughs) they had seven fucking kids (laughs) and he's a teen and he's teaching a actual child how to drive yeah he's pretty irresponsible (laughs) starkweather quit his warehouse job and became a garbage collector starkweather began developing a nihilistic worldview believing that his current situation was the final determinant of how he would live the rest of his life while striving only to satisfy his biological needs and acquire power over others. He began plotting bank robberies and settled on a personal philosophy. Quote, dead people are all on the same level. (gasps) It's true though. (laughs) I mean, I guess. (laughs) That's, like, fucked up. That's crazy. So, I wonder if that means he wants everyone to be dead? Just him alive. Or maybe him dead, too? I'm not sure. Him and his child bride. (laughs) (laughs) Alright. 
So, let's talk about his first murder. Ready? Yeah. It's first. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Never want to hear a sentence start like that. <laughs> All right. Late on November 30th, 1957, Starkweather became angry at Robert Colvert, a service station attendant in Lincoln, for refusing to sell him a stuffed animal on credit. Don't know why. He's going to give it to his four-year-old girlfriend. He returned several times during the night to purchase small items until finally, brandishing a shotgun, he forced Culvert to give him $100 from the till. He drove Culvert to a remote area where they struggled over the gun, injuring Culvert before Stockweather killed him with several shots. Jesus. So that was November 30th, uh, 1957. So, two months later... On January 21st, uh, 1958, Starkweather went to Fugit's home. Fugit's mother and stepfather, Velda and Marion Bartlett. Oh, my God. <laughs> These names. They're amazing. Wait, why does she have a different last name? I don't know. Didn't Maybe even notice that. that's her middle that. name. Oh, um, I think her mom got remarried. Oh. Uh, she has a half-sister. Okay. Um told uh so anyway he went to their mother and stepfather yep stepfather uh told him to and wait oh so they're okay so we went to their home the mom and dad were like get the hell out of here and then he shot them oh my god and then he clubbed to death their two-year-old daughter (gasps) betty jean betty jean and then he hid their bodies behind the house so then he stayed there, right? Mm-hmm. And then Starkweather la- later said that Carol was there the entire time. But she said that when she arrived home, Starkweather met her with a gun and said that her family was being held hostage. She said that Starkweather told her that if she cooperated with him, her family would be safe. Otherwise, they would be killed. Oh, my God. Even though they were already yeah. dead. And so sh- he claims that she was there. And, know, and knew that mm-hmm. and then she's like I didn't know that and like everything else that happens she does she like goes along with it because she's trying to save her family that's so sad so during the next six days they lived in the house and turned away visitors which made Fugit's relatives suspicious the pair remained in the house until shortly before the police alerted by a suspicious grandmother arrived on January 27th it's always a suspicious grandmother. <laughs> that should be the title. <laughs> the bodies were found later in an outbuilding on the property. Like a shed, I guess. Uh-huh. That's so sad. So I wonder where he told her like they were. Yeah, really. Because like, it's not like you can hide a two-month-old. That's true. Yeah. I don't know. She must have known. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he said that they were at a different location. I'm not really sure. His house? No, he lived (laughs) with his parents. I don't know. Or no, he got kicked out. I have no idea. They're in the car that you totaled. (laughs) Starkweather and Fugit drove to the farmhouse of 70-year-old August Meyer. These names. They're amazing. They're popping. I love them. Uh, One of her family's friends who lived in Bennett, Nebraska. 
Starkweather killed him with a shotgun blast to the head. He also killed the Myers dog. Aww, why bring the dog into it? He's evil. He is evil. <laughs> He's very, very evil. All right. Uh, fleeting, fleeing the area, the pair drove to uh, drove their car into mud and abandoned the vehicle. When Robert Jensen and Carol King, two local teenagers, stopped to give them a ride, because that's what you did back then. You don't mm -hmm. do that now. <laughs> Starkweather forced them to drive back to an abandoned storm cellar in Bennett. He shot Jensen, um, which is the man, in the back of the head. He attempted to rape King, but was unable to do so. I don't know what that means. I don't know if he... Like, just couldn't make himself because, I mean, this is the only time that ever happened that they talk about that. Uh -huh. um, I'm not sure. He became angry with her and fatally shot her as well. So, like, even when you're about to get raped, somebody can get mad at you if they can't perform. Mm -hmm. And then you die anyway. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? I hate this guy. Yeah, he's not great. I'm glad he got bullied. Yeah, well, unless that, like, caused him to become this. That's true. <laughs> You never know in these cases. <laughs> uh, Starkweather later admitted shooting Jans Jensen, but claimed that Fugit shot King. Again, she totally didn't. <laughs> Fugit said that she had stayed in the car the entire time. The two fled Bennett uh, in Jensen's car. So they killed them both and then fled. Stole their car. They were just doing a good deed. <laughs> I know. So sad. That's why you just... Don't stop for strangers. We know now. Yeah, we do know that now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even answer phone calls that I don't like know the number to. Yeah. If somebody's at my door and I don't know them, not, I don't answer it. <laughs> None of my business. <laughs> We're just like petrified of strangers now. <laughs> Starkweather and Fugit drove to a wealthy section of Lincoln where they entered the home of industrialist C. Lauer Ward and his wife Clara. Starkweather stabbed their maid, Lillian Fen Fenkel, to death, then waited for Lauer and Clara to return home. Starkweather killed the family dog by breaking Again. its neck to keep it from alerting the wards. Psychopath. Clara arrived first alone and was stabbed to death. Starkweather later admitted to having thrown a knife at Clara, but instead that Fugit had stabbed her numerous times, killing her. Why is he blaming her? He's like trying to blame her for everything. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's he started basically all of this. He's basically trying to say that like they fled they left together, like the whole thing was both of their ideas. Mm -hmm. And that they were like in on it. Crime. Crime couple. Don't get it. Yeah. When Lauer Ward returned home that evening, Starkweather shot and killed him. Starkweather and Fugit filled Ward's black 1956 Packard with stolen jewelry from the house and fled Nebraska. So fucked up. <laughs> All right. Um, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back for the rest of the murders. All right. Can't wait. <laughs> right, bye. Bye. And we're back. Hello. Okay. So, the murders of the wards and their maid caused an uproar with 
within Lancaster County. Law enforcement agencies in the region sent their officers on a house-to-house search for the perpetrators, which didn't work. (laughs) Uh, Governor Victor Emanuel Anderson contacted the Nebraska National Guard and the Lincoln Chief of Police called for a block-by-block search of that city. After several sightings of Starkweather and Fugit were reported, the Lincoln Police Department was accused of incompetence for being unable to capture the pair. So, needing a new car because of Ward Peckard's having been identified, the couple came, came along a traveling salesman, Mer- Merrill Collison. Marley? No. Mer- Merle. I don't know. How do you spell it? M-E-R-L-E. Merle. Merle. Or Merle. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Fuji said woof. He knows the name. He just can't say it out loud. No. He said he struggles with M's. Aww. (laughs) Baby. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, he was sleeping. It might be Merle because it's a he. Merle. Merle. Anyway, sleeping in the back of his Buick along the highway outside of Douglas, Wyoming. After Collison was awakened, he was fatally shot. I was going to guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you, that's the one that survived. <laughs> Starkweather he, he laid, gave him a high five and left. He's like, hey, can I have your car? And he was like, sure, let me just get my, <laughs> you know, my stuff out. Um, Starkweather later accused Fugit of performing a coupe de grace which is a death blow to end the suffering of a severely wounded person or animal. It may be a mercy killing or a mortal of a mortally wounded civilian or soldier, friends or enemies with or without the sufferer's consent. Wow. I had to look it up. <laughs> um, anyway, so he said that she did that after his shotgun was jammed. So maybe he like shot him and it didn't kill him. And then she killed him with her bare hands. That's scary. Starkweather claimed Fugit was, quote, most tri- was the most trigger-happy person he had ever met. Seems like it. No, he's saying that she was. I know, but, like, all these lies he's oh, telling yeah. totally seems like it. Yeah. Um, Fugit denied ever having killed anyone, and I believe her. Um, really? I do. <laughs> the salesman car had a parking brake, which was something new to Starkweather, because apparently that wasn't something that was normal. Mm-hmm. While he attempted to drive away, the car stalled because the brake had not been released. He tried to restart the engine, and a passing motorist, geologist, Joe Sprinkle. <gasps> this seems fake, all these <laughs> names. <laughs> it's like a book. I'm reading a book. Yeah, I love it. It's like the coolest name. Ugh. Anyway, so Joe, Joe Sprinkle stopped to help. Starkweather threatened him with the rifle, and an altercation ensued. At that moment, Natrona County Sheriff's Deputy William Romer arrived at, on the scene. Fugit ran to him, yelling something to the effect of, It's Starkweather! He's going to kill me! <laughs> that was my 50s voice. I loved it. <laughs> So Starkweather drove off and was involved in a car chase with three officers exceeding speeds of 100 miles per hour. Wow. Which in the 50s is probably really fucking fast. Wait, is he still in the 
in the car that's like fucked up yeah i think so wow a bullet fired by a sheriff shattered the windshield and flying glass cut starkweather deep enough to cause bleeding he stopped surrendered and was captured near douglas nebraska on january 29th 1958 so all the killings happened over like a two-month period wow really all most of them in january the first one was like in november that's crazy um converse county sheriff earl Heflin said, quote, he thought he was bleeding to death. That's why he stopped. That's the kind of yellow son of a bitch he was. <laughs> I love that. I feel like police like totally wouldn't say that now. That's true. <laughs> Can you imagine them putting that like on Twitter? <laughs> this guy's a coward. <laughs> All right. So the trial and execution. Starkweather chose to be extradited from Wyoming to Nebraska. He and Fugit arrived there in late January 1958. So like this, say, no, 1958. Yeah, that's the same. So I guess like the next day, because mm -hmm. they he was caught on January 29th. <laughs> so <laughs> they, they extradited him to Nebraska. He believed that either state would have executed him. He was not aware, however, this is kind of funny, that Millard Simpson, Millward Simpson, Wyoming's governor at the time, opposed the death, death penalty. Ooh. So if he would have just stayed in Wyoming, he probably would have gotten death penalty. What a dumbass. And I really quick wanted to show you their pictures. I didn't really have a good spot to put these in. But that's him. He's and that, so square. And that's her whenever they were extraditing her. They gave her a soda. Oh, Yeah. He is square. He looks mentally unwell yeah well it's because he was <laughs> yeah his haircut's very weird it's like a flat yeah his, it, yeah it does make his head look like a square or like the shape of frankenstein's head oh yeah yeah um starkweather first said that he had kidnapped fugit and that she had nothing to do with the murders however he changed his story several times which is why i believe her because he just kept changing his story <laughs> He testified against her at the trial, saying that she was a willing participant. Fugit has always maintained that Starkweather was holding her hostage by threatening to kill her family, claiming that she was unaware they were already dead. Which, can you imagine, like, after being saved or rescued or whatever, and then learning that, like, your whole family is dead anyway? That would suck. And, like, all this stuff you went through. I know he didn't hurt her, but, like... All this stuff that she went through in that short period of time, like she all didn't the death she saw. Yeah, she didn't have to because like her family was already dead. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, uh, Judge Harry A. Spencer did not believe Fugit was held hostage by Starkweather because he determined she had numerous opportunities to escape. That's not fair. No. Like, how victim-blamey is that? Yeah, like, really. Like, she got convicted because of that. Really? Mm-hmm. Jesus. When Starkweather was first taken to the Nebraska penitentiary after his trial, he said that he believed that he was supposed to die, but he also said if he was to be executed, then Fugit should also be. <laughs> He's like, if I'm going to die, she needs to die. He's like a, a toddler. He's so annoying. That's not fair. <laughs> She totally killed people too, I think. She maybe. killed all of them. Yeah. I was just there. I was actually held captive. <laughs> oh, you don't believe me? <laughs> 
Starkweather was convicted for the murder of Jensen, the only murder in which he was tried. I don't know why. That's crazy. Um, on May 23rd, 1958, he was sentenced to death. Good. And Starkweather was executed in the electric chair at the Nebraska State Penitentiary in Lincoln, Nebraska at 12.04 a.m. Wow. In the morning. <laughs> I don't they know They really wanted to get rid of him. <laughs> on... On June twenty fifth, and nineteen fifty nine, right? Say that's like his death day. Uh huh. And they're they're like twelve o'clock. All right, bring him in. <laughs> they had him hooked up and everything already. <laughs> does that hurt the electric chair? I'm sure it does. Oh, I'm sure it does. Um, and especially if they don't like have it be enough. Yeah. And like you are still alive, and they just have to keep going. Ugh. Yeah. I can't imagine it's very good. Uh, Starkweather gave no last words, but in a letter from prison to his parents, he wrote, and this is, I mean, his, just whatever, just doesn't make a whole lot of grammatical sense. <laughs> Quote, but dad, I'm not real sorry for what I did because the, for the first time, me and Carol have some fun. <laughs> we have some fun, dad. <laughs> and I'm not real sorry. <laughs> Uh, he was reportedly indifferent about his impending death and had resigned to his fate. Okay. Fugit was convicted as an accomplice and received a life sentence in June on June. Sorry. Why do I keep saying June? It's November. <laughs> <laughs> it's the opposite of June. Oh my God. I'm having issues for real. All right. Uh, received a life sentence on November 21st, 1958. She was considered a model prisoner and was paroled in June 1976 after serving 17 and a half years oh at the Nebraska Correctional Center for Women in New York, Nebraska. Sorry, not New York. York. That makes me think even more that she was innocent because, I mean, if you did it, you're probably not a model prisoner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or maybe you are. I don't, I don't know. know. Following her release, Fugit worked as a janitorial assistant. She has since retired. In 2007, Fugit married Frederick Clare, a, me a mechanist who also worked as a weather observer for the National Weather Service. Fugit, going by her married name of Carol Ann Clare, was denied a pardon by the Nebraska Board of Pardons on February 2020. Her pardon application was supported by relatives of the murder victims, which is interesting. It is. She maintained her innocence in the 1958 slangs and requested a pardon to alleviate the burden of being known as a convicted killer. Her pardon was denied because the role of a pardon is to restore the felon's rights, not to absolve them of crimes. Which okay. is interesting. That makes sense. So the victims were Robert Culver, 21, the gas station attendant, Marion Bartlett, 58, Fugit's stepfather, Velda Bartlett, 36. Holy cow, that is a huge age difference. <laughs> Fugit's mother. Wow, they just, like, did not give a fuck about really? ages. <laughs> I think we've had this discussion before, but it always fucking gets me. It's gross. That's a huge age discrepancy. That's over it's 22 years. <laughs> Yikes. Betty Jean Bartlett, which is such a cute name. That is. Age two. Aww. The daughter. Um, August Meyer, 70. Fugit's family friend. 
Robert Jensen, 17, boyfriend of Carol King. Carol King, 16, the girlfriend of Robert Jensen. Lillian Fenkel, 51, the maid. Clara Ward, 56, the wife. Lower Ward, 47, the weather industrialist. Well, sorry, wealthy <laughs> industrialist. <laughs> uh, Meryl uh colison the travel 34 the traveling salesman there's two merrills merle sorry the last one was merle the oh. other one was marion no the one at the beginning wasn't there a merrill no it's Mar marion oh yeah the last one was a merrill that we talked about 80 times oh because we couldn't pronounce it <laughs> <laughs> and he killed the two family dogs rude yeah, so 11 people and two dogs in his spree. Rampage. And because I missed a Criminal Minds reference, me, I missed a Criminal Minds reference before. Uh -huh. Which one was that for? The kidnapping of Ariel Castro? I have no idea. Didn't um, Shirley tell us? Oh, maybe. It was recently, whenever we're recording this recently, she mentioned that uh, the whole time she was listening to, yeah, it was the kidnapping of, uh, kidnappings of Ariel Castro whenever he kidnapped those three girls. Mm -hmm. Um, she kept listening, thinking, oh, she's going to mention that it was also a, an episode of Criminal Minds. <laughs> and I totally didn't. Do you watch that? No. Then how are you supposed to catch it? Because at the end of the Wikipedia pages, they always say like, in pop culture. Oh. And I didn't. Because that one was like 12 pages long or something. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, anyway, I caught it this time. I made sure to look. Uh, the 13th step, the January 11, 2011 episode of Criminal Minds, depicts newlyweds on a North Dakota, Montana killing spree similar to the Starkweather Fugate case. Interesting. There were also so many movies, TV shows, books, songs, and even a video game inspired by this case. A video game. The Starkweather case has been analyzed by criminologists and psychologists in an attempt to understand spring killers' motivations and precipitating factors. It also became notorious as one of the earlier crime scandals that reached national prominence with the media outlets covering the case at the time openly condemning Starkweather. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, my sources are Wikipedia. I've, it was several Wikipedia pages. It was his Wikipedia page, her Wikipedia page, and I think another one. Did your work. Yeah. Many, many Wikipedias. <laughs> All right. I don't like this guy. <laughs> I don't like him either. He's but a loser. I wonder if he... I didn't look it up if he was like... He, there's no way he's the first spree killer. But like... He was one... He must have been one of the first notorious ones. Because... Yeah. If they're like studying him about it. To, yeah. to kill. I don't know if I would consider that first one in November part of it. I mean, obviously it's a part of the killings, but like it was a standalone murder. Yeah, cuz he that was in November and then he did all the other killings in like the same fucking week. Psycho. <laughs> yeah, just like killing people left and right for their cars <laughs> and then breaking their cars and you're like, "Oh, got to kill another one." Thanks for saving me. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
What a what a wacky dude. What a crazy guy. Yeah. So there's that. Interesting. Yeah, what a happy story. What a great tale. <laughs> yeah. I uh I just randomly picked it off of the ever growing list of ideas that I've come up with. I love it. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's a cool last name. <laughs> and then I typed it in and then I just went with it. Nice. <laughs> I approve. Yeah. I'd like to eventually tell a happy story, but I just keep telling really sad <laughs> ones. Is your next story a happy story? No. Oh, But great. it's not murder. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's only a few other things that could be not happy, and that's not great. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's death. Oh. It's just not murder. Oh, okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. Well, um... Let's see. When is the next episode a bonus episode? Yes. All right. Well, we will see you guys in the next bonus episode. And um, if you want to become a paid subscriber to listen to the ad-free bonus episodes on the 1st and 15th of every month, go ahead and follow the link in the show notes. It is only $4.99 a month. Um, also follow us on social media. We are on Holy Gossip Girls on <laughs> Facebook and Instagram. At Girls Unholy on Twitter, where I be tweeting funny things we say from each episode i've been trying to keep up on that and um email us some of your happier true crime story ideas or cryptid ideas or like whatever i think we should have so a lot of people on the last um episode i posted michael's favorite dad joke right now which is Uh knuckle sandwiches i think we should do a bonus episode of just dad jokes we should that'd be fun (laughs) yeah why not it's our podcast we can do whatever the whatever whatever we want want. you can't tell us what to do no you can't but you can give us suggestions yeah at unholygossipgirls at gmail.com do it (laughs) do you check that email i do okay yeah a lot of it's spam it would be funny if we did that every week and then we checked it one day and every everyone was emailing us (laughs) no i i send us my stories if i type them up on my work computer which i totally would never do <laughs> if my it's boss is listening to this i i only use my work computer for work obviously <laughs> duh <laughs> um duh. and then i know shirley sends me her episodes too oh all of her notes um uh, but the most of it's spam <laughs> <laughs> so email us anything literally any dog pics love dogs me too all right well i guess we'll see you guys at the next bonus episode and we'll also see you guys next friday goodbye bye